This is Tech Radio from TechCentral.ie. Get every episode of Tech Radio by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. We've spoken about the popularity of ChatGPT today, but where is AI going and how do we get here in the first place? Pratyush Raj is Digital Director with PwC Advisory and he had a chat with Niall Kitson during the week about the four generations of AI and why ChatGPT is more than just a tool, it's actually a new frontier. So our understanding of AI has changed an awful lot, even just over the last five or ten years. Uh, so let's have a, a potted history, if you will, of where we are and kind of how we got to be there. Because our first experiences with AI, it's fairly basic stuff, really. And if you're familiar with Microsoft Office, that's probably your first experience of it. That's true, Niall. Thank you for having me. Like, it's a very interesting topic that we are talking about today. See, like on, like when you look at the spectrum of the automation, like I would broadly categorize into four different, you know, generations. The generation one, as you pointed out, like we started off with Microsoft Office products. We were doing a little bit of macros. We were creating a little bit of scripts. Uh, so basically, we call that like as the first level of automation that we saw. Then as industry became more, more mature, we moved on to the usage of robotics. So a very popular you know, tool today for automation is called as robotics or process automation. And that's where like people are using software robots to automate the repetitive, mundane, you know, less cognitive kind of tasks. Um, an example would be, let's say, if you are a stock market analyst, you go on every morning, you have to download the stocks of, let's say, 1,000 companies. You don't need to do that manually today. Basically, a software robot, you can schedule it to run 2 a.m. in the morning. By the time you have your coffee, 8 a.m. on the desk, you'll have all the, those reports generated for you. So that's your second generation of automation, which is right now becoming very prominent. It's slightly moving towards you know, the third layer, which is more of cognitive solutions. So the guys are combining the other automation technologies, let's say the chatbots or, you know, intelligent data analytics tools uh, to build some cognitive solutions. Uh, for example, let's say if you have to build a predictive model um, to understand where should I open a shop um, as a retailer, you know, you can build those models. Uh, so that's the third layer. And fourth is what you you must be hearing a lot about today is the AI. And again, it has multiple layers. You have the deep learning and machine learning parts of it. You have the natural language processing. And then finally, like the one topic that probably is very much on top of minds of everyone is the generative AI. So that's the broad spectrum. You started with a very basic automation. You went on to use like robotics. Then you built more tools on top of robotics to like to you know call it as hyper automation so you hyper automated some of these and then we are moving to ai one of the things that we often hear is uh, of course the old adage of necessity being the the mother of invention so i imagine there were some applications along the way that uh, kind of drove forward or asked questions that pushed automation and AI to the to the next level. What kind of applications in any sector really have you found to be 
particularly innovative or kind of landmarks along the way to getting to those next stages? Okay, that's a good question. I'll see, like you've, like, think about any sector, let's say, for example, healthcare. Um, like we've been through this pandemic where, for example, like people were waiting to get into the hospitals. They were waiting to get appointments in and so on. Like technologies like AI and automation, they allow you to book such kind of appointments easily. Um, if I go and take another example, think about um, like your old days when you used to go and take a mortgage. You'll go in into a bank. They'll hand you off a set of like documents. It might be like a 20-page brochure sure that they'll give you and ask you to fill that and send it back to them and imagine you're filling that those 20 pages you miss a signature and you send it to the bank after 10 days they'll send the whole booklet back to you so you can see like historically um, the processes or you know any kind of experiences um, that the companies have been offering they were very manual they were very broken and they saw the need to make sure like they could deliver these services in a more efficient way so that they could deliver like faster, cheaper and better services to the customers. Now, the same is true for experiences as well. So, for example, if you think about, um, let's say, accessibility to services um, and example I would take is people who are living in remote places. If they have to, for example, get access to healthcare services, it's not that easy. It, it wasn't that easy, sorry, in, in earlier times. But now because it has um, a layer of, you know, these digital and automation technologies that allows you to get a remote diagnosis in. Like you can be sitting here in Ireland and let's say you need a doctor at 10 p.m. You can probably get a doctor sitting in the U.S. or in the other part of the world easily can do a remote diagnostic um, so things like these have actually helped um, you know AI to push the uh, you know the boundaries a lot yeah the the example from healthcare there is very kind of prescient when we're looking at the pressure that our healthcare systems are under and in the past where you had very large countries with, you know, a, a stretched healthcare system as it was, where things like telemedicine were an absolute game changer. Do you see AI as being, you know, that first point of contact before the referral, as opposed to, you know, waiting for a doctor to become free for uh, a telemedicine session? See, I don't think um, like we should consider it as what will be the first point of contact. It will all depend on the demand and supply, I'd say. See, for example, if you have only five GPs in a region and you want to get access to those, if they are fully booked out for next few days, like I'd say you'll have a hard time um, getting you know, another doctor or uh, getting attended to. So at that point in time, maybe, the first point of contact will be an AI-driven bot, which essentially connects you to a different doctor. Um, I'll give you another example. Like, um, So let's say like during the pandemic, for example, we saw a lot of people were calling into the contact centers. Um, and suddenly you realize that contact centers were also half shut down or completely shut down because people couldn't come in. 
at that moment like you would have to wait on the line for 2 hours to speak to a person imagine the same being applied to a healthcare sector if you need to get an appointment and if you have to wait for 2 hours to get to a doctor um that's not a great experience not only it's not a great experience but it, it is actually like it's worrisome that you can't get attended to instead of that like some things that we've built for example for our clients you you go on to the contact center number you you hit a message saying our wait time is 2 hours um, but if you would like to chat to a chatbot or an ai driven bot please press 1 you press 1 you immediately get a message you click on that message uh, on your phone and it opens a chatbot basically using a chatbot you can schedule an appointment you can also find appointments you can book appointments you can also make sure like any of the you know previous medication or documentation that you want to send to that doctor it can be uploaded easily so that's how like it will be more of demand and supply but one of the issues that i think people have when it comes to ai is that is is the the updating of data i mean when you're looking at something like okay we'll update our system at the end of the day that very much works with i guess the uh the last few generations of ai where the models they don't have to be particularly reactive i suppose um we're seeing a movement towards data being updated in real time uh in particular in certain industries can can you tell us a little bit about how that's happening that's true uh, we so i'll give you a few examples as well so like fraud detection is a one big use case where real time data is being pulled uh, from a customer profile being applied to models and immediately like a next best action is shared um with the customers so there like and again like we are saying ai but there are tools which fall into a spectrum before ai let's say there are rpa tools or robotics process automation tools which essentially as soon as you are having a conversation in the background it captures all the data it uploads all the data to a system let's say a customer relationship management system um and from there an agent while having a conversation with you you know he or she can actually see what are the next best actions listed over there based on this current conversation and the history so immediately the robots in the background they update the systems they look at your profile history and they are able to make recommendations if it is a healthcare one they can say by the way these are the three things that you should advise to this uh, you know patient if it is uh, let's say a retail customer it can give you a ne- next best action in terms of actually cross sell or upsell this so i imagine uh, and you mentioned healthcare uh, that there are other industries as well that would really benefit from that sort of real time updating um I think in conversations before the insurance industry seems to be a a pretty good beneficiary of this sort of thing specifically when you're looking to give people quotes and I I suppose um maybe if an accident is happening that there's some way to track what's actually happening to to the customer and then use that to generate or to inform uh say quotes down the line Yeah absolutely so in the insurance industry as well like let's like you can like you have enough examples which are tactical enough let's say for example if you have to file for a claim 
gone are those days where you file a claim and you have to wait for a month to hear back uh, if it is approved or not. There are so many applications these days where like you just take a picture of your claim, punch it on a mobile app and off it goes and immediately within a few seconds or minutes, you get an approval or a denial or it asks you for the next steps immediately. So that's more of tactical. Similarly, like the other example would be the from an employee perspective, let's say you're receiving all these quotes and claims over and over again, and you have to process 20 a day. So instead of, you know, looking at that image that you received from a customer of the, you know, of the invoice or let's say of the uh, GP, uh, you know, bill, there are technologies that extract data from those images and they can punch it in into the systems. So your employees, instead of doing 20 in a day, like manually, you know, uh, extracting all their data, they immediately get all that data extracted into the systems in an, in an automated way. And, um, you know, they can focus more on the relationship management aspects of it. And the example that you gave um, on the insurance um, like for example, a customer hits an accident that's very much being used, um, like applying the predictive analytics methodologies and tools Like you can actually see when you're, you have to refresh a claim or you need to, you know, um, you need to give a quote to the customer. There are predictive models that actually, uh, understand the driving patterns of uh, a new driver or, the you know the behaviors of of the driver in traffic and accordingly they can adjust the code if they find for example a driver is risky your your quotation will go up that's really fascinating that there, there is that element of uh, uh assessing somebody's driving style uh when, when they're not looking uh i suppose I suppose the, the meat of the matter uh, at the moment is sort of generative AI, its applications in, you know, in academia, in art, uh, and its misapplication, I suppose, by trying to, to have people pass off uh, work that has been generated by an AI, by an AI as, uh, as their own. Where do you sit on this debate? Is ChatGTP just the next tool or is it sort of a, a new frontier in AI? Oh, I, I am with the latter. I think it is a new frontier in the A, um, AI bit. See, ChatGPT is one of the generative AI tools. So when we say generative AI tools, basically, like you can use the AI technology to generate any kind of content. It can be text, it can be images, it can be even writing code. Giving By giving a very basic set of instructions, like, in a natural language, like for example, I can ask Chat GPT today to just say, you know what, write a po- poem for me, and here is a context, um, or write a code for me for a mobile app that I want to create. It's just phenomenal. Now, like obviously, excess of everything is bad, and right now where it is, um, it needs a lot of moderation and regulation. Um, so it's a great tool, but it needs a lot of work in the background before it is safe and secure to use. I think there's a false sense of security with it at the moment because when it looks to the data set that ChatGPT 
GPT is based on. Uh, it's not current and it's it's not regularly uh, updated at the moment. It doesn't have that real-time update. So do you, do you think there is that danger of people falling back on information that is maybe outdated or discredited? Absolutely, absolutely. And see, that kind of gives me a little bit of comfort as well, to be honest. And I'll explain why. See, the generative models that we have currently uh, are based on uh, the data that is being fed into a machine, okay, that's up to a certain period of time. So essentially, it's a great, you know, it is a very smart, intelligent tool, but all of that is driven by a set of data sitting behind it. And uh, you you pointed out, right, like, obviously, the content of that will be outdated, Um, you will get wrong answers. And that's, as I said, that's what gives me relief because as soon as that doesn't happen, if it works with the real data, if it can have, uh, you know, natural conversations, it becomes, it, it, it brings it closer to singularity. And singularity is where, you know, like the AI can start having uh, conversations like a real human being. So there is not a much, lot of difference between a human being and AI. So yes, you're right. The content is based on trained data. It gives, it can give you incorrect information, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that gives me comfort for some reason. Raising the point of the singularity there, do you think chat GDP uh, is sort of um, uh, an example of how we're getting closer to, to um, the singularity or the flaws in our concept of what the singularity is, that it might necessarily be um, something that thinks like a person, but something that, you know, is a, a universal resource and that may be a, a different form of intelligence? I believe it is the first step or like first few steps towards the the singularity um, the concept of singularity. Now, like chat GPT, for example, like it's a great tool, it's generative AI and all that. But when you start using like I've been using it for last like two weeks, it's just amazing. Like the answers it gives, the context it carries and the way, you know, um, like it doesn't look very scripted when you look at the answers. But there is a lot of, you know, as you pointed out, incorrect data in there. There is a lot of bias in there that I've seen. Um, So as this technology evolves and as soon as we start addressing these challenges, I think it will move towards singularity. It will. Uh, I hope that it doesn't happen in my lifetime because I'm, I'm very scared of that. But it is the first step. It's the big, big step towards the, the concept of singularity. I call it like more of a CHAI, conscious or humanized AI. And that's what I'm afraid of. This is Tech Radio. And that was Nile Kitson chatting with Pratyush Raj, Digital Director with PwC Advisory. We're back again next Friday on RTE Radio 1 Extra or you can get new episodes automatically by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Nile Kitson, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Tech Radio is produced by DustPod.io. From me, Artemis, goodbye. Goodbye.